Welcome back to Love God and Your Neighbor. This is Pastor Laura Hutchinson from First Christian Church in Anniston, Alabama. And I'm so glad you're join us, joining us again. Welcome back. Um, this has been a fun journey for me preaching a sermon series called Why Are We Here? This Sunday, today, was the third installment in a four-week sermon series. And I am really enjoying it. I'm feeling God is moving me and uh, speaking to me and hopefully through me um, in a way that maybe he hasn't done in a while. And I feel like God has big plans for us, not just us at First Christian Church, but I mean us, believers, people who know him and love him, and even for those who don't yet know him or love him. And so this has been exciting to be a part of this conversation and a part of this dialogue and a part of this this um, exploration into the purpose of, of God's church in the world, especially now today, you know, October 20th, 2019. What does God want from us and for us and for his world? So today we talked about Hebrews. We were talking about Hebrews 10 chapter 10 and uh and about how god is encouraging us to not just come to church which is important but to be encouragers of one another while we're here that we need to help each other grow in in, in our faith that we're not walking through this faith journey by ourselves. We're not even walking with it just with God. We're walking through this faith journey with our community, our family of faith. And that is a really important part of church life. So there were times when I got to go around and talk to the people in the congregation and they talked about why First Christian Church in Anniston, Alabama was important to them and how this congregation has inspired them to, um, to grow in their faith. But if you're not a part of First Christian Church and you're listening to this, I want you to think about how you would answer that question about your church. How has your church been there for you? And why is your church important in your faith journey? We need to be thinking about why our churches are important to us so that we can feel motivated to go. We want to be there. We're not in church because we have to be or because people are judging us or because people tell us we're going to go to hell if we're not in church. No, we go to church because we love church, because we love God, and because we love being in this place where God exists and where people who love God are. So think about all of those things that your church family has done over the days and weeks and years of your life that you've been a part of that church and, and explore in your own mind and your own heart why that relationship with that congregation is so important. And if you don't have a church yet, I encourage you to find one. It doesn't have to be a big place. It doesn't have to be a big mega church, although if it is, that's great. As long as they're preaching the word of God and preaching God's love and teaching you and offering you opportunities to grow in your faith and fellowship. Go find a place where you can find a church family. Thank you for listening, and I hope that this sermon is inspiring to you. So we are entering into the third week of our sermon series, Why Are We Here? 
What is the purpose of the church? Why does First Christian Church exist? Why do we gather every week? Why is this ministry important? Um, this is not in my sermon, but I'm going to include this uh, I, because I was talking with Rhonda about this this morning. When we advertised for Trey Pearson, um, who came and sang and performed for us this week, we really put ourselves out there as being a church that supports the LGBTQ community. J- Trey, if you weren't aware, is a, was a contemporary Christian performer. He was the, um, one of the founding members of Everyday Sunday, a Christian band. He was married. He had children. He was doing everything he could to be what he thought was a good Christian man. And about seven years into his marriage, a very, very difficult seven years for he and his wife, he realized and his wife realized that he was gay. And so he came to share his story and to sing his songs and to be a light in the darkness. And one of the things that was really, really difficult for me is when I I paid an extra like $25, I think, to promote our ad and our event to the community so we could get the word out faster. And that meant that more people out there who may not be allies, who most certainly are not allies, also saw our ad and commented some pretty disheartening things. And I live in this bubble of First Christian Church where we love everybody and where everything seems to be so great and perfect. And I was reminded once again how incredibly vital our ministry is. That there is a darkness that exists in the church. That darkness is hatred and ignorance, misinformation, a lack of understanding of what the scriptures really say. Which leads to fear, and there is no love in fear. And so I am grateful to be a part of this ministry, but I am more motivated than ever to see this ministry grow because people need to know that God loves them. People need to know that God loves them. All right, let us pray. Gracious and loving God, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be pleasing in your sight, my strength and my redeemer. Amen. Our scripture today is from the book of Hebrews. As I told the kids, as you heard Mary Lib read the scripture, the book of Hebrews is an interesting one because it is not a letter, as so many people think, because so many of the other books in the New Testament are letters. This one is actually a sermon. According to the People's New Testament commentary, the readers and the writer are second-generation believers. They have been baptized and fully instructed. In fact, they have been believers long enough to have become teachers themselves. But they have stalled in their growth. And now the readers are a faithful community 
in crisis. Some members have grown lax in their attendance at the assemblies, and their commitment is waning. And the writer does not think, though, that the addressees have hopelessly fallen away. No, in fact, the writer believes that there are better things expected of these believers in view of their past record of love and good works. Their record of love and good works has not come to an end. The thing that led this congregation to a point of crisis in their faith journey and their commitment to the church was most assuredly external pressures coming from the secular world. First, there was the criticism and ridicule from their peers, which I mentioned just a few minutes ago, that we are receiving, right? And then there was the persecution that they received from their government. Just for being Christian, they were dealing with having their land and property taken away from them. They were being tortured and they were being imprisoned just because they were Christians. That is an awful lot to discourage a person in their faith journey. And no wonder people weren't coming to church very often. I cannot imagine trying to build a church in, those con- in that context. And so the writer of Hebrews is employing several different tactics to encourage this group of Christians to not to give up on their very important community of faith. In our scripture today, we are dealing with a portion of the sermon where the writer reminds us of what we have gained in the sacrifice of Christ Jesus. He says, and I'm assuming it's a he, but that's an assumption. Therefore, my friends, since we have confidence to enter the sanctuary by the blood of Jesus, by the new and living way that he opened for us through the curtain, that is, through his flesh, and since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us approach with a true heart in full assurance of faith, with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water, let us hold Fast to the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who has promised is faithful. Amen. And so in the suffering and the death of Jesus, the curtain covering the entrance of the Holy of Holies, the inner sanctum of the temple of God, where very few people were able to go where God dwelled, but people could not be. This veil was torn in half at the moment of of Jesus' death. It was torn from top to bottom. That means that those of us who know God's miracle in Christ, we are free to enter that most sacred of spaces, that we are now able to dwell in the presence of God. The writer is reminding his church how much they have gained through Jesus and that they can now approach God with pure hearts, forgiven hearts, that there is nothing within them or in heaven hindering their faith in God. Well, we at First Christian Church in Anniston, Alabama, may not be dealing with the kinds of persecution that our brothers and sisters of the early church had to deal with, but we do know what it's like to have the secular world pull on us, trip us up, and create seemingly insurmountable demands that keep us from nurturing our faith, don't we? We know what that's like. 
We have all had work obligations, family obligations, social pressures, and even personal desires distract us from praying and spending time with God, from going to church, from studying the Bible, from observing the Sabbath. And I am willing to bet that we have all at some point or another gone days or weeks or even years without spending any time with God. And as the writer of Hebrews points out, when we allow the outside world to interfere with the time we spend with God, then our faith begins to atrophy. I know what that feels like. I know how that can happen. Even though I'm an ordained minister, there was a time when I was not serving a church, and I made an excuse not to go to church for almost a whole year. I thought it was a great reason, and my faith waned. So what do we do about it? What can we as a community of faith do to avoid the very real risk of seeing our faith fall into disrepair? Well, the scripture says, let us hold fast to the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who has promised is faithful. Amen? God is faithful. God has made a promise to us. God will not, does not, has never wavered. God is faithful. And let us consider how to, how to provoke one another to love and good deeds, not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. So first, we don't lose hope in God because God's faithfulness to us is unwavering. And second, we as a community of faith must encourage each other. We must lift each other up and be there for each other so that we can all withstand the pressures of the world as a unified front. We, together, are a unified front. Let us consider how to, to, how to provoke one another to love and good deeds, not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day approaching. The scripture says that you come to church on a regular basis because you need your Christian family to encourage you to keep on keeping on. And just as importantly, your Christian family needs you to encourage them. We need each other to push us when we lag, to cheer us on when we struggle, to share our faith with one another, to challenge us to love more and to encourage each other through difficult times. You need your church and your church needs you. That sounds like a World War II poster, doesn't it? <laughs> Your church needs you. Now, at this point, I was going to include stories of times when one or more of us was helped by this congregation. But didn't I do that last week when I shared the stories of our, our prayers that were answered, right? So instead, this week, I am going to ask you guys to tell your stories. And so I'm going to come to you. And for those of you who are listening to this podcast, 
call or write in and tell us how your community of faith has been there for you in your life. Amen. In what ways has your faith been enhanced by First Christian Church? By you and your family, too. Oh, really? Um, and then by meeting you guys, I found this church. Hayden. Hayden. Because you and your family took Larissa in and Maurice took care of her as she was your own family. And by doing that, I found the church. The church took Larissa in too. In fact, the church took Larissa in first. And most people um, at this point know my story. Um, I've told it many times, but um, this God showed his love for me through this church um, at a time when I felt like the church had turned its back on me. Um, and because of that, I felt like God had turned his back on me. But I learned through the love um, and the openness of this church that um, sometimes people can hurt you, but, but God never lets you down. And that wouldn't have been possible without this church. This is our home, and it has been since the first time we walked through the doors. So. Share with us today one thing that has happened in or through this congregation that has encouraged your relationship with God. I was going to say that this church restored my faith. I had gone church dormant because I didn't feel like there was a church in this part of the country that I could find, frankly, that I could stomach. And this one brought me back. In what ways has your faith been enhanced by First Christian Church? Um, I think when I came over here uh, the first time, by uh, how all the people told me that Alabama was, I was coming from Germany, and that my husband was a station there, and I have a friend that was over here before, and she told me, oh my God, you're going there. That is awful. They might even kill you. They have people they don't like, you know, people from another places or so. And I said, no, I think it's going to be okay. And when I start coming here, the love of the people towards me make my face strongly and say, knowing that oh, when we know the Lord, we love each other as a family. Anyone else? Hi, most of you don't know me. My name is Ann Kerr. I'm a long-time member of a different congregation, uh, which I love. There are people there I love. It's a very different structure and a very different experience, but sometimes our experiences get a little tense. And one of the 
tensions in that congregation clashed up seriously against my need to be with people who believe in social justice and my need to be with people who want to be in the space where they are. They don't have to be there. They're not worried about whether the linen is folded exactly so or the vestments are put on in a certain way. And because I knew Laura and I know Maria and several others of you in this group, I decided to make this a haven. And that's how it feels. What a blessing you are to us too, Anne. I know so many stories that I'm not privileged to tell because they were told to me in confidence. I know the ways that God has been with you in your lives. I know the ways that God has served you. And it is a moving experience to be able to minister to this congregation. To be with a church, to minister alongside a church that is human. We have our flaws. We make mistakes. We have little arguments. But this congregation overall is one of the healthiest group of people I've been a part of because you're here because you love one another and you are here because you love God. Is God calling us? <laughs> Tell him we said hi. Okay. This is an encouraging church. This is a church that lets us be who we are as God made us. And it is a blessing. And the writer of Hebrews says... Let us consider how to provoke one another to love and good deeds, not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day approaching. Now, Starla has said to me lately that she believes that the day of the Lord is at hand, and I have a tendency to believe her. I think she's right. No one really knows what that means. No one knows what that's going to look like. But it feels as if, to me, we are at the tail end of some kind of countdown, maybe. And I myself has, have felt a sort of spiritually motivated urgency to ramp up my own faith practices and to encourage faith development within this con congregation and ultimately in the world. At a time when spending time with God and with God's people seems less and less important by worldly standards, I cannot help but feel that it is more important than it has ever been before. And so as your pastor, the person who is both hired and ordained to teach and encourage and guide you all, my promise to you is that I am going to do a better job of provoking you all to love and good deeds. I promise to be better at challenging you to meet together. I will spur you to encourage one another and prayerfully 
I will be a part of God's work in inspiring you to grow in faith all the more as we see the day approaching. And I ask you to do the same for me and for one another. Can we do that for one another? Can we pledge today to be each other's cheerleaders in faith? If so, say amen. Amen. Cheerleaders would be much louder than that. They might even have some spirit fingers. (laughs) Will you promise to do what you can to help each member of this congregation become even more grounded in our spiritual practices so that we can be better prepared to tell the world about our loving God? Faith in God is the most important thing that we can possibly have. And the church exists to not only share the good news with the world, but also to help people's faith grow and mature. And as flawed as the church has been in this world, and it is, it is flawed, I am still so very grateful to God who gave it to us. Because if it were not for God's work in the church, I probably wouldn't be a Christian today, much less a minister. And I am thankful. What about you? Are you thankful for the church? Especially this one, First Christian Church? Let us say thank you to God. I thank you for the church, God. Thank you for the church. Thank you for First Christian Church. Thank you, God. Amen. 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 Amen.